Welcome to the Art of Humanity with Jessica Ann. Listen for fresh perspectives with artists, leaders, authors, and entrepreneurs. Explore creativity and consciousness. Evolve your business with the Art of Humanity. Now, here's your host, Jessica Ann. Shannon Hernandez. You're a friend I've known online for years now. I think we're on our third year of friendship, right? Yeah, we're on three years. We met on Google+. I think we met when I was first experimenting with the concept of launching a podcast years ago. And we instantly connected over a number of mutual interests. And then when I took a look at your background, I saw that you were also in radio, too. You're a professional broadcaster. Yeah. So we have radio in common. Yeah, absolutely. Um, tell me a little bit about how you got involved in radio and how long you've been doing it. Oh, well, uh, I'll try to give you the short, short version of it all. <laughs> sure. Um, 15 years ago, I was working at a sorority hall at Arizona State University, and I was in my junior or senior year, and I can remember sitting um, at the front desk and thinking, gosh, I need to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. I need to do something. Uh, so that was around the time when I just started looking into radio stations and starting to really apply. And I'd already known that I wanted to be in radio. It was something that I had dreamed of doing when I was in, uh, in middle school. So, um, I was already majoring in uh, interdisciplinary studies with a uh, like a, a, an emphasis in mass communications, but I just wanted to be in radio. So I started applying to different radio stations and um, uh, country radio stations. It could have been a hip hop station. It was just anything to get my foot inside the door. And from that point forward, uh, I got an interview with a radio station called uh, KDKB. Um, it was the Heritage Rock station back in the day. It played. It played rock and roll, but it played also like some classic rock. And uh, but the radio station I really wanted to be at was um, the sister station KUPD. So I figured starting at the sister station would be great, um, KDKB. Um, and that's where I really kind of got my start. I started doing research um, with KDKB, and then I started. Uh, then I got into promotions, and about a year, like a little less than a year, I was uh, I was interim producing for the morning show. And uh, I had gotten an on-air shift, and that was my very first on-air shift. And I think I held an on-air shift for about maybe a month, maybe two months before I finally uh, got fired. And it was uh, it was for something that was really, really silly, I think. It was like, I think I took a day off or something like that. And at that time, the station had gone through some management changes, so I, I feel like management was just looking for any reason to get rid of me. And around that time, that's when I um, applied to actually KUPD, the station I wanted to be at, and I've been there ever since. That's how I started. That's how I got my start in radio. So when you look back at, you know, what your dreams were when you were a kid and you see what you're doing now, how does that make you feel like something that you've like dreamed of, you know, since you were a little boy and, and now you're actually living the dream? Yeah, it's, you know, it's very surreal to me. It's so surreal to know that I'm working at a, a, a station, a legendary rock station in Arizona. And I'm not saying legendary because I work there. This station has been around for many, many years, over 30 plus years as a rock station. Um, and uh, there, there have been very few personnel changes in terms of staff. So that's what makes it so legendary is that there's only been a few people in that time that have held the positions where all my coworkers hold. 
And for me to go into it every day, um, you know, it, it now to me, it feels a little bit like a job, but it's still a job that I enjoy. And I'm just kind of like, wow, I can't believe I get to go into a studio. I get to key on a mic and I get to talk trash or I can invoke some type of emotion or I can get people to just listen to my voice and they can hear what I have to say and they can completely disagree with what I have to say. That is the coolest part about being on the radio. And, and, uh, in fact, it's funny because a friend of mine sent me a Facebook message the other day and she says, I've always envied what you have set out to do in your life. And that was to be on the radio. And, and it kind of like, it, it was, it was just a really, it, it was a, such a strange way of looking at it because I never, I stopped looking at it from that perspective. I now see it as a perspective of like, well, I go in and I, I, I try to entertain people every day, but she, uh, she wants to find passion in her life. And she, she knows that what I did was I, I followed my own passion. So it's something that's so, I'm, I'm completely grateful for every, every day. So I'm a really big believer in having as much fun as possible in your day to day. And I'm sure that you have a ton of fun with what you do. Um, one of your roles as a radio host is to, you know, stay on top of social media, keep the conversation going from online to on air mm -hmm. and vice versa. So what is the most fun part of doing this in your day to day? Um, I think. In the day-to-day -day when I get on the radio, I know that not everyone is listening. I know that like not everyone's like glued to a radio and listening to me all the time. But I also love the fact that I can pull people off of Facebook and have them tune into the radio and have them listen to what I have to say, whether it be about rock news or maybe it's some, some big change. I can always put an update out on my feed. And, and knowing how Facebook has an algorithm and it's just it could be one of those things where it's very challenging to get people to pay attention to what you have to say. I try to keep the conversation going online so that when they do get in their car or when they are cleaning the house or when they are in the yard, maybe, you know, mowing the lawn, whatever it may be, that they can be aware or, or, or trust me and know me a, a lot more and know that I'm just, I'm just an everyday guy that loves to go in and have fun. And I like to give them the news or I like to give them updates or I like to give them free stuff. And when I meet them, that's when I think it really counts and it matters when I meet them. Um, that and they come up to me and they say, "You do such an amazing job on the radio. You inspire, or you make us laugh. You get us through our day." I mean, we could talk about people who are in the upper echelon of income, and you could talk about people who are in the lower echelon, and you still affect all of them the same way. That I don't think you can get anywhere else. Um, that type of feeling and just feeling appreciated. And I don't really focus on it too much, but when they come up and tell you that stuff, it's just crazy how you get them through their day. Besides the global reach of podcasting, which is something we'll talk about a little bit later on, um, because you're also a podcaster. Mm -hmm. um, what would you say are the main differences between traditional radio format and podcasting? Like, for instance, what do you love about your radio job that you can't do with podcasting? And maybe what do you love about podcasting that you can't do with radio? I love that. With, well, with radio, I like the fact that there is a real-time interaction. I'm able to answer phone calls. I'm able to uh, interact with people. I can ask them questions on the fly, and I can keep a conversation going that is in the moment. So let's take, for instance, you know, the Super Bowl recently happened. And uh, if I were on the radio at that time, well, in fact, since the Super Bowl was in Phoenix, and that's where I'm broadcasting out of, I tried to keep that conversation going. I tried to keep people involved in what was happening, not only with the Super Bowl, but with the radio station. So it really kept me 
on uh, you know on my toes and when people called in or they were hitting me up on on uh, social media uh, I was able to connect with a whole new set of, of people. So that's the one thing that I love about uh, terrestrial radio, regular radio, is that you can get that instant interaction, that instant feedback right then. Um, the one thing with podcasting, when you look at it on the other side and the flip side of it, is that podcasting doesn't give you that ability to really um, have that instant feedback. You can implement certain things into your podcast by saying, hey, if you're on Instagram, take a picture of wherever you are, and hashtag it, you know, and you can make up whatever hashtag you want and let me know that you're listening. Now, that's some form of real time, but it's not definite real time. But the thing that I do love about podcasting is that it is so hyper focused. It's hyper focused on a topic or an issue, or maybe it's just, it's a different part of maybe who you are. Um, and I know I have struggled with this over and over. You know, there's a part of me that loves to, you know, that loves humor, that loves comedy, that loves, you know, sometimes really crass comedy. But there's also a part of me, and there's, I think, the the other side of me, actually, it's probably the majority of me, that loves to be genuine. I, I try to be as genuine as possible. I try to help people and inspire people to move them to get past their fears. And there's a lot of people out there that are like this, but I just feel as though when you start a podcast, you can definitely get in their ear and you can you can keep them engaged. You can keep them inspired and and they keep coming back for more. They could find more on your website and they could find uh you know what you what you do for a living and and they can really fall into your personality deeply as opposed to the 45 seconds that you get on the radio. You're really giving them maybe a half an hour of your mind. And that's what I think is very powerful about podcasting. Other things that you talk about a lot on your blog and when we have our conversations is getting over the sound of your own voice. Something that's so simple, but it's also something that people don't even think about until after they are done with the episode and they're editing. <laughs> right. Um, it's pretty mandatory to get over this fear if you work in this, if you work in radio or broadcasting or podcasting. Mm -hmm. um, like what are some tips that you can give people who may struggle with this? Uh, yeah. You know, it's funny that you say that because um, when I wrote, I've, I've written a blog about this and you know, my best advice to people is that you're, you're going to have to get used to the sound of your own voice. Be proud of who you are. Be proud of what you know, whether it be God, the universe, who, whatever force gave you the gift of being able to speak. That's what I feel is most important. And you shouldn't be afraid of who you are and who you, who, how you sound, because that is how you sound to everyone, not just to you. Because you hear your voice every day, but when you hear it played back, it's like the weirdest thing ever. You're like, oh my God, I, why would I, I sound horrible. But, <laughs> it, and, and that's, I, I mean, I've been through the same thing. When I first started in radio, I was like, God, I sound like an idiot on the radio. And I had to get over that. And uh, it was interesting because I feel, well, it's interesting because it's practice. It's all based around practice. It's based around doing it over and over and over. And as you do it more and more, um, you start to realize that it doesn't matter. The message matters. Your voice doesn't matter. Um, your voice is actually br the brand. So when people go out and they start seeing you and they start listening to you, they recognize that voice and they go, oh, that's Shannon or that's Jessica or that's whoever you may be. They recognize that voice. And so it's just a branding uh, portion of your business or maybe your podcast. You know, I was reading a book yesterday um, and it was, uh, it's on, it's on Nikola Tesla and 
in the foreword of the book, there was a, a Swedish psychologist. They talked about a Swedish psychologist, and he said that in order to really perfect something or to be really good at something, that um, it's called the 10,000-hour rule. You have to do something for 10,000 hours in order to really be good at it. So in order to really get used to the sound of your own voice and hearing it through headphones and hearing it on playback, you probably should be doing it about 10,000 hours. And I I believe this to be true just being in radio for 15 years. I've done well over 10,000 hours, I'm sure. And I'm just used to it at that point. So as people go into their podcasting and they start learning how to use inflections in their voice, how to be excited, how to step away from the microphone, using mic techniques the the sound of their voice just goes away. They just don't worry about it because they're so confident. Be confident in who you are and that the confidence will exude whenever they hear it back in a playback. Do you also think that there's a little bit of a balance between, you know, overworking yourself and also giving yourself the patience and time to let yourself absorb the new direction that you're heading? Yeah, you have to give yourself time, patience. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say that you know someone has to do ten thousand hours like every day, every day, every every day. I mean, no one could be the average person isn't in the radio industry. That's just not they're not me. They're not the person that's in the radio industry. I mean, I sit in front of a microphone um five hours a night and I talk into that microphone um per night, probably fifteen minutes um per night. I mean, maybe twenty minutes at the most. And people think, oh wow, you do a five hour shift. No, it's really broken up, but when you think about it, yeah, I probably have done 10,000 hours total in speaking into a microphone. Now, in terms of podcasting, it's going to be a, it's going to be a matter of you actually getting that experience. It's not the experience of speaking, but it will be the experience of the interview. It'll be the experience of having to conduct the interview. What what's the workflow that you have to go through in order to really master the craft of your podcast. So that's what I look at whenever I think about it. You don't have to like practice it over and over and over before you actually start just starting it and actually putting that content out there is probably the best thing that you could do because P and that's the, that's a really cool thing about podcasting is that when people go in and they listen to your podcast and they listen to those early episodes, they'll listen to your episode, your most recent episode when they go into iTunes and they'll be like, wow, this is a really good show. And then they go back and they listen to your old episodes and they're like, Oh my God. Well, like what you could tell they were totally starting out from right there, but that's the progression that you start to see. And I think that's something that you should actually be proud of whenever you go back and you say, I've done 153 episodes total. Go back and listen to episode one and you can see the difference between episode one and episode 153. It's night and day because I've learned how to master that craft. And listeners, if you're hearing this, this is probably one of my very first episodes. So I appreciate (laughs) you listening and bearing with me as I work out all the kinks. (laughs) You're doing, you're doing so great. It's like, you can't even tell. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks. What's inspiring you these days musically? Oh gosh. Uh, you know what I'm really into right now? I have this, um, I have this radio station on my Google play, uh, all access account. And, uh, I think it's called, uh, Sibiant. And, uh, there is, um, I forget the name of the artist. Anyway, it's real chill out music. It's just super chill out music. I mean, you just can't, you just can't get past it. I love the fact that I can sit and I can work and I could just not, it's not necessarily zoning out. I can just really just focus on my work at that time. Some of the music that I'm into, uh, I'm trying to think of the name. I think it's a band or it's an artist called Ott and um, Ott actually has this really cool track called the aubergine of the sun. Um, I think that's how you say it, the aubergine of the sun. And it's just, it's like a 10 minute track. And that one just really gets me going. It's just nothing but 
instrumental. That's what it is. Um, so I'm really into that. I love Nikki Bloom and the Gramblers. I do love uh, some uh, modern folk music. So she's modern folk. So Nikki Bloom and the Gramblers, Ray LaMontagne. Uh, oh, I love Ray. Yeah, Ray LaMontagne is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I wouldn't have been introduced to someone like Ray LaMontagne if someone from the heavy metal wor- world had not done a cover of his track Burn. Mm. And um, and it's actually an acoustic track, and it sounds it just sounds just like the original track "Burn," but it's done by this artist, and he sings it beautifully. And you're just kind of like, "Wow, he sings heavy metal!" <laughs> it's just it's it's mind blowing. And so, um, and and that's one thing that I think is just so cool that you get to see with other artists, especially when I get to interview other artists. You one of the questions I ask them is, "What are you into?" Do you listen to? And some some will say like, "I've heard guys say like, oh, I'm into Katy Perry," and you'd be like, "But you play." super death metal and they're like yeah i love Katy perry because you start thinking about it it's away from what they normally are listening to so in order to be inspired to create the music they create they probably shouldn't be listening to the same thing over and over they actually find inspiration or get away from that by listening to things outside of the genre which i find is very interesting it's so crucial where else do you find that you get inspiration from um besides music uh, reading, I like to read. I, I've kind of backed off on the reading uh, in recent years just because I've been so busy trying to build my own business. But uh, I'm not talking about nonfiction books where they're about you know creating a launch or all that. I mean, that stuff is all fun to me. Don't get me wrong. It's a lot of fun. But I do like list- reading. Uh, cl- I did like reading classical literature. And the one that comes to mind that I think kind of set it off for me was um, The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. Mm. And just a book about vanity, straight up vanity. And, and it's just, it's got such a great story, a great moral, uh, it, it allows you to have some type of moral compass within yourself to be like, Oh, well, what am I doing with my life? And how am I treating other people? And that book kind of really set it off. I would read some more contemporary stuff. Um, I, I loved reading Chuck Klosterman, um, sex, drugs, and cocoa puffs. I mean, he, very humorous stuff. Um, just a collection of essays. I love but Chuck. Yeah, he's, he's great. so great. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, it, it it just varies. It depends. There for a while, I was really into philosophy, um, and then I learned that I would be up at up nights at a time because I was trying to figure out a problem based off of based off of a philosophical problem. And I was like, okay, I can't read philosophy anymore at night. <laughs> Going down the rabbit hole of philosophy, I've been there. <laughs> yeah, you just—it's never ending, and you're like, oh, you, pretty soon you're up till six. And you're like, I gotta get up and start working. It can be fun, but I mean, after some time, the answers aren't gonna happen. You gotta, yeah. you gotta live and you gotta exist to find those answers, right? <laughs> right. It's like never-ending questions. It's like that. It, who is it? Socrates, the Socratic method of like just asking a question over and over and over, and you'll never get the answer. Sometimes at five in the morning, you're like experiencing a breakthrough and it's really just a matter of you've been up for 24 hours straight and <laughs> you're right, about to ne- crash <laughs> who needs who needs methamphetamine when you have philosophy books i'm a total book nerd so i can totally empathize with that right <laughs> <laughs> so yeah those are those are some of the i mean those are some things that keep me inspired exercise keeps me inspired a lot too um this is a recent journey that i have gone on uh to experience in uh I'm sure you know. I mean, I, I, you do yoga. 
mm-hmm. uh, I'm I, I love just the cardio. I love just doing cardio. I do, there's a million people out there that saying, "Well, you need to lift," and you need. And I understand that there are different movements of the body, and lifting is one of those great movements. And just there's just a number of things that you can do. But for me, where I find a lot of clarity and inspiration, and especially clarity, is getting on a treadmill. Or recently, it's more of the elliptical trainer, getting on it for an hour and just going and. You do it for an hour and you come back and you're like, wow, I have new ideas. And that's what inspires me. You lost 19 pounds total recently. I think you mentioned since the middle of October. That's pretty, that's a lot of weight loss. I mean, right. how, how do you stay motivated? I know that you mentioned that you listen to music while you're actually on the elliptical, but what forces you to get up and get to the gym every day or every other day? Uh, there's a number of reasons, honestly. Yeah, you know, let me. I'll give you a couple of the reasons. Well, the, the initial reason why I started getting into the gym was because I sat here in the in my little man cave office, and I was working on a product and to put out into the world and start marketing. And and around that time, I found that like I felt like my heart was ready to explode. And uh, I thought, man, I'm, I'm on like I'm on fast track for a heart attack, and I'm 38 years old. This should not be happening. I've known 38 year olds who have had heart attacks. I'm not, this is not going to be me. Um, around that same time, my toes in my left leg started going numb and my, my, the back of my, uh, thigh started, uh, getting really sore. So that was really kind of the motivator right there. It's like, okay, well, let's not die tomorrow. Let's start figuring something out and getting onto a routine and maybe even a a nutrition routine too. (laughs) That's always a good goal. Don't die tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. Let's just try not to die tomorrow, (laughs) you know? And, uh, so it really kind of just started and stemmed from that. And uh, I'd get on the elliptical machine. I'd do 30 minutes. And then I, one day I just said, I'm going to do 35 minutes. And then the next day I said, I'm going to do 40 minutes. And then pretty soon I was up to an hour. Well, then I hit a wall in a motivational sense. I hit this wall and I started thinking, gosh, I don't want to go to the gym anymore. I've already lost maybe seven pounds. I don't want to go anymore. But my goal was to get to where I am now. And um, somewhere along the lines, I don't know what it was. I just started putting it into my head and it's a real mental thing because you, you learn a lot. I mean, you know this just as well as I do. There's a, there's a, a sense of mental toughness that you have to put into your mind of saying, I can't do this now, but I can, I know I'll be able to do it later. So mm-hmm. just keep trying. And it kind of goes back to that, that practice, um, technique. Just keep doing it over and over. So mentally, I kind of had to rewire myself every morning and wake up and say, okay, this is a challenge. Um, I'm not going to let my ego get the best of me. I'm going to go out and I'm going to do it. And around that time, you and I had spoken and you had told me uh, exercise is a part of my everyday routine. Like I just can't not not do uh, exercise at all. So you were one of my inspirations. Uh, my friend Caleb was a, an inspiration of mine. He lost somewhere near like 25, 30 pounds. And um, he did it every day. And I just was like, I want, I just want to feel great. But if I can lose weight in the process, that'll be great. So I started rewiring my mind and, and taking inspiration from you, from Caleb, and just, a, you know, different podcasts. And I started implementing little things into my life, like getting up. Once I get up in the morning, making my bed. I was never a person who made his bed. I hated making my bed as a kid. And I was like, I'm not going to do it when I'm an adult. But as I started making my bed in the morning, 
it was something that was accomplished every morning. It, I got something done. One, if I didn't get anything else done in the rest of the day, at least I made my bed. And that was a sense of an accomplishment. So if I could do that and then step it up a level and say, oh, I can get exercise, then it was something else that I did for that day. Didn't matter if I did any, didn't do anything else. I did at least these two most important things. It sets the tone for my day. And so ever since, you know, I'm still going to keep trying and I'm going to keep moving forward and I want to try to lose at least 10 more pounds and uh, I want to really start, you know, being better about eating better and, and, and putting a, a healthy, healthy diet into my daily life every day. So that's kind of my philosophy. You know, on the back end, how amazing and good you're going to feel. I think that's the biggest thing, honestly, Jessica, is that, uh, I, I feel amazing every time I come back from the gym. I feel as though I fire on more pistons than I was given. I mean, I just feel as though I am able to tackle the world with a whole new sense of purpose. And that, I think, is what has been very key in the progress of where I'm trying to go professionally, not just in the radio industry, but to teach people how to podcast and to teach them how to build their own business and to teach them how to use a Facebook post properly, just different things. And I've also noticed that there's been a change in, uh, in how, not necessarily how I act, but how I perform, um, on the radio. I'm a lot quicker. I'm a lot, uh, I'm more attuned to and aware of what is around me and I'm able to think of things really, really quick. So my energy levels and, and those cognitive, uh, exercises, whatever it is that's going on in my mind, I, I've been able to really capitalize on those and people are liking my posts, they're laughing, they're uh, just I'm trying to inject, not only am I injecting the good into my heart, but I want to also exude it and put it out back out into the world and make someone else's day a little bit better. Commit to doing something in one facet of your life so that it affects all aspects of your life. That's sure. the beauty of it. Yes, absolutely. So where can listeners find you online? Uh, just, they can head on over to my website. It is shannonjhernandez.com. That's, uh, S-H-A-N-N-O-N-J Hernandez, H-E-R-N-A-N-D-E-Z, uh, com. And over there, uh, you can learn a little bit more about podcasting. If you're interested in starting a podcast, uh, you can get on my email subscribe list. Uh, you can also download the seven tools you absolutely need to start your, uh, your podcast. So, um, head on over there and download it. Thank you so much for joining me, Shannon. Thank you, Jessica. I had a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to The Art of Humanity. Please follow us on Twitter, at Art of Humanity, with two ends. Join us next week with your host, Jessica Ann. Evolve your business with The Art of Humanity.